On today's episode of The Fifth Line, we will talk about the NHL's hottest rivalries from both today's NHL and NHL history. You're tuned in to The Fifth Line. Welcome back to another episode of The Fifth Line. My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm always, as always, here with Nick Horwat. How are you doing today, Nick? Doing well. I've been doing a lot of nothing but watching football, apparently. Well, that's definitely new. That's different. Yeah. You know, that's different. probably why the Steelers are losing, because I'm watching again. No, they're probably losing because they had a quarterback with a broken elbow try to play for the first six quarters of the season, but... Wait, was it really broken in week one or hurt in week one? It was hurt. He hurt it in week one. Yeah. Oh, okay. So The more you know. Yeah. The more I know. The more you know. But you can listen to The Fifth Line on Spotify and Apple Podcasts just by searching The Fifth Line. Or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter on Instagram at The Fifth Line Show or on Twitter at The Fifth Line One. We're going to talk a lot today about the best rivalry in hockey. And by hockey, I mean the NHL. We're not going into the soviets versus the americans or usa versus, versus canada yep usa versus canada we're not going into that but in the nhl but before that there's been a lot of stuff that has happened since last week's episode since we got into the gm office and tried to sign some of these players i'd like to think that we paved the way and kind of as an independent arbitrator showed these guys around what they should be asking for hence the reason so many of them signed right after we dropped the episode some of the numbers that we said were kind of close not so much in the years, but uh, definitely money. Like we said, or I said, I forget what you did. Uh, I said Charlie McAvoy should get $5 million. He got 4.9. Yeah, that was very close. I'm trying to think. I know I said Charlie McAvoy should do four years. I know he did only three, but I feel like we were fairly close as well on our numbers. Yep. Clearly not close on the Mitch Marner because I said $10 million. I said ten million too, but I mean, I also said seven years. But I was close on the years with that one. Wait, he got how many years? He got six years. Uh, I didn't put years. I remember I didn't put years on. I also said Brock Besser was going to go eight years, eight million, and that was way off. (laughs) He got, I believe, what was it? Uh, It's on. It's right here. He got. Start by talking about about that one. He got three years, five point eight seven five. So fairly well. Oh yeah. But there wasn't really enough space to do eight by eight for him. No, no, there's not. But. They've got more. They've got Pedersen to sign in the coming years, so that one's not too big of a deal. Keeping him lower is probably better anyway, because he's. I mean, he's not a bad player, but he's not um, still. He's not fully set. I think he's got room to improve still. So three years is a great spot for him as well. Okay. Uh, what I think we should probably just do. I'll run down through all the signings since there was so many. And then we'll talk about the ones that, you know, jumped out to you. Does that sound good? Sure. All right, so we're going to start. Closest to home, the Pittsburgh Penguins signed Marcus Pedersen, their last remaining free agent, to a one-year, one-way deal. For around $800,000. Kicking the can down the road. Yeah, just saying that's a year-from-now problem. And you know what? Honestly, they'll have some more space in the salary cap. They should have some more salary cap space. And then he'll get his nice big extension. Five, six RFAs coming up for the Penguins after this season, though. Mm. One of them including uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion Matt Murray. Is he going to use that two-time Stanley Cup champion tag to his advantage? It all Probably. depends. 
Yeah, it all depends on how the season goes for him. If he if he's a dumpster fire, that's gonna really hurt. He's not a Darren Ferris client, is he? Uh, no. The only other one I believe is Taylor Hall. The only one who's who's relevant. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> so moving right along, the Rangers signed Brendan Lemieux to a two-year deal. I didn't even put the the number down on here for some reason, but they signed Brendan Lemieux. Uh, I think it was just league minimum. Yeah, I believe it was as well. And then, all right, let's just keep going. Then Flyers yep. sign Ivan Provorov to a six-year deal, $6.76 million a year. That sounds about right for a player of his stature. Moving right along to the big fish, Mitch Marner signs a six-year deal worth $10.893. i am sure we'll get into that a little bit Woo. as we move along. Charlie McAvoy signs a three-year extension with the Boston Bruins. Jared Spurgeon signs a seven-year extension. Now, he wasn't an RFA. He was going to be up next year. Signs a seven-year extension with the Wild, 7.575, and that kicks in next season. Was he going to be an RFA next yes. year? Oh, I forgot. I always forget how young he is. So Billy Guerin, in his first year, trying to avoid... RFAs in his second year, it looks like. Travis Konechny, speaking of the Flyers, when we talked about Provorov, Travis Konechny of the Flyers signs a six-year deal worth 5.5. Besser, as we said, three years, 5.875 with the Canucks. Brandon Carlo signs a two-year deal, 2.85 per year. Sounds about right. And then Andrew, how do you say his last name? Oh, I... Um, Mongepain. Yeah, Mongepain. Yeah, Mongepain. We messed it up last week. Probably messed it up again. I just so forgot. He signed what we're a one year. Yeah, he signed a one year deal with the Flames for 715k. So we got that one on the nose. Yeah, that one was pretty. <laughs> just you know, put the tally. Got it. The marker. So uh, what jumps out to you from this? Honestly, I would have to say the Mitch Marner one does because it is more than what everyone wanted, but not by much is the thing. People were expecting him to get ten. He got. 10, 8, 10.9, basically. Yep. That hurts them now, or not now, but later. I feel like if the cap doesn't grow, they have a ton of defensemen they need to sign. But that's a problem for next year for them. They'll be fine this year. They're going to have to live with what they got. The Flyers moves, I think, are the ones that really stood out to me because they were both six years whenever we i said they should be getting both of them four by four clean but then they go six years each uh pro overall 6.75 and then connect me 5.5 how much cap space do they have left exactly uh i'll look that up it can't be that much because they've been overpaying guys a lot this summer they're at about a million. Oh, they have a million left in cap space yeah that's not bad they don't have nobody else to sign though and if, if you look they also have couple people that are going to be up next season next year will be their issue i feel like um obviously nolan patrick will be up next year they robert hag is supposed to be a really good defenseman for them coming up but uh this will be a show me year for him considering he's already making a million and some so we'll have to see what they look like after next year pretty much after this year we'll see what happens with them i think the the biggest thing that jumps out to me is Billy Guerin signing Spurgeon to a seven-year extension. Well, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> he, especially since Spurgeon was on trade block on the trade block before Guerin took over. So I, I think that's Guerin showing that he doesn't want to be caught in these restricted free agent talks and having a guy like Jared Spurgeon to have to wait on with dead cap space. So he got rid of that, took care of that deal. Jared Spurgeon is a really good defenseman for the Minnesota Wild, one of the bright spots. Again, that kicks in next season, so they still have him on his old contract this season. Pretty solid move for Bill Guerin. That, that's what really kind of 
got my attention. That's that's a big contract for a defensive player that's not named Ryan Suter, so I think that's a step in the right direction for the Wild. Uh, yeah, having one year left on his $5 million contract he had going into next year, he'll be making an extra two-some. For, he'll be the longest tenured player on the team, I believe, after this contract lets up. If Cap Friendly wants to fix itself, yep, he will be the longest tenured player on the team, assuming he stays. He has a no-movement clause, so yeah, he'll be there for a while. Not going anywhere and making a ton of money doing it. So hopefully it doesn't fall apart on him. He'll be the highest-paid defenseman come next year on their team. I don't see that falling apart for them. Uh, he's a good young player, and, you know, he's going to be – Is he? where's he from? Is he from there? Uh, I have no idea. Nope, Edmonton, Alberta, from. Canada. Don't know why I assumed he'd be American, but he's a good – he'll be a good player for them for years to come, obviously. Yeah, and like we said, as soon as we dropped our episode last week, a lot of restricted free agents signed. There are eight remaining of the 17 that we said were there last week. But there's still a couple big names out there, starting with Kyle Connor and then Patrick Line up in Winnipeg. Those are guys that are going to command a pretty hefty percentage of the cap up there for the Jets. Then you have Matthew Kachuk, Saku Manalainen, Miko Rantanen, Julius Honka, Anthony D'Angelo, and Braden Point. So a, a lot more money that needs to be get to be yeah to be get to get tossed around before the season starts. Oh yeah, and. Patrick Laine becomes a big thing because he took a, quote, easy choice to skate with SC Bern in Switzerland for some training since training camps open for the NHL. He and someone else went up there, and I cannot remember who joined him. See, I cannot remember who joined him, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out now that multiple people have officially taken their talents overseas for some training. In Jesse Pugliarvi's case, he's taken his talents for some games because he's up there apparently doing really well and maybe fighting his case as to why he should be given an offer sheet, given a trade, let Edmonton lose his rights because he does not want to go back there, obviously. Yeah, he's, it's well known that he's requested a trade and does not want to play for the Oilers organization anymore. So that's sort of a when and not if anymore. Other news from the past week, though, one of the captains have been named from the teams that don't have captains. The San Jose Sharks named Logan Couture to their captaincy. I know I was wrong. I said it would be Brent Burns. Uh, I forget who you said it would be. I didn't. Th- I don't think I said Couture, but I don't remember either. I may have said, I may have said Thornton if he came back, which he did. He did resign. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do not remember who I said though. We'll have to check that at yeah. some point. <laughs> We'll go back and check that out. So congratulations to Logan Couture. He is now the captain for the San Jose Sharks. Really well-deserved taking over the reins from Joe Pavelski. And we spoke about this other piece of news a couple weeks ago, and we asked each other how many games Evgeny Kuznetsov would be suspended. And the ruling has come down, suspended three games for testing positive for cocaine usage earlier this year during the World Championships. I know my guess was under 10. I know that's what I said, and so that's three games seems about right yeah it I, I found out shortly after we um recorded that episode that if the nhl was to suspend him which they did they the 
Players Association had the right to fight the suspension because what he did is technically not a suspendable offense in the NHL. They're not gonna they're not gonna fight it because probably because he couldn't fight it in the IHF, and they handed him a pretty long suspension. But the, if if they wanted to, the NHLPA could have turned and said we're gonna appeal that, but they didn't, and that's all stuff with the CBA that um, will not be will not be argued over for a few more years. Yep, that was the next thing I wanted to talk about. Earlier, a couple weeks ago, the NHL pushed through the current CBA and said that that is the one that they wanted to go through, and they said they didn't want to reopen negotiations. They didn't want to have a lockout next season. And then all attention went to the NHL Players Association, which had up until earlier this week to decide whether or not they wanted to agree to keep this one open or if they wanted to renegotiate next summer. Thankfully, they chose to keep this one this current CBA intact, and we don't have to worry about a lockout until the 2022-23 season. And that's a couple years from now, so we got some time to enjoy hockey, stress-free, kind of stress-free at least. We all know another one's probably coming, or at least some sort, but this gives them, gives everyone some time to figure out what they really want and what uh, changes need to be made. A thing that I think a lot of people are going to look at I think a big part of the CBA discussion was the whole uh, CTE and brain protection stuff. Stan Makita being recently to see Stan Makita being shown as having CTE doesn't help things. One thing I have to say with that is just obviously it's a horrible situation for that, but it was a different. I know it's weird to say it was a different league in a different time, but and the game has changed a lot. They're way safer with stuff like that. But um, Stan Mikita wasn't a guy you would to you would expect to have it because he was a pretty well-rounded guy his entire life. Toward the end, no one said like there was any signs of it or anything. But that's just things. Those are just things that you just never know about. But I believe that'll probably be a huge discussion coming up for the next uh, CBA discussions. There's that, and you do make a good point. A lot of the things are coming out. It started with the NFL, really, with the big national spotlight on CTE and concussions. And I do believe, I agree with you, that the NHL and the NFL as a whole have really made a lot of advancements to protect these players, both in the style of play and the you know, the equipment. The equipment's definitely a lot better, especially you look at the NHL. A couple years ago, they started telling people you have to wear visors unless you're grandfathered in. That's a big thing, protecting the face and protecting the head area, mm -hmm. adding those things. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if a decade down the road we can we see them go back to full face masks, and and I could see that being something that was negotiated in a CBA. Whether or not it's gonna it's gonna happen or not, I I feel like it'll be a while down the road still because I still feel like a lot of players don't like playing with it, and I know sometimes. You have to do things you don't like to do because of safety reasons, and I think that's one of the things that will be brought back because you still see players getting hit in the face, getting hit in the nose, getting hit in the chin, in the jaw, broken jaws, just by getting hit by pucks alone, let alone getting hit by elbows and shoulders. Yeah, I, you said face, full face cages. That one will be a hard one to do considering all the players want to keep fighting in the game. Obviously, you can't really you know hit people with your fists through a cage. Uh, without really hurting yourself. Honestly, the f the whole fighting these days, like with the visors, it really makes it makes it a little more dangerous because if you catch a visor the right way and it pushes against your face, you're slitting your you know you're slitting your face right open. But that's the price they pay. That's the what they want to keep it in. Um, have you ever seen the documentary 
Oh, what is it? Ice Ice Guardians? No. It's on Netflix. It's really good. I suggest to anyone who hasn't seen it. It's phenomenal look at these guys that want to keep fighting in the game. They think it's really worth something, at least. Um, they can see how, why they why people want it to be less, but it's really interesting. I won't get too much into it, but these guys want fighting to stay in the game. That's the p bottom line. The league itself, the management of it, they might too, because it does have a lot of effects on a game, on the guy's health. That's what we're going to start finding out a lot now. With technology ramping up, a lot of these guys are getting their stuff checked out. Obviously, Stan Makita proved to be probably a start of all that. These older guys are going to start, sadly, passing away. I mean, they're older, so at least it's not in a bad way. Stan Mikita, I forget what he died from, but it wasn't anything revolving that. So it'll be a start of something new, probably. Yep, and the only other thing that's really going to be talked about when the CB come, CBA comes up to be renewed in a couple of years that you saw some people talking about now when they were deciding whether or not to reopen it was the, the whole escrow thing. And a lot of money stuff I don't understand. A lot of money stuff that we're not going to just preach to you. If you want to know more about it, subscribe to The Athletic. They have loads of information, loads of articles about it. I read one of them. I kind of understood it, but not enough to just reply back yeah. to you guys. So if you want to know about it, go out there. There's there's readings on it, and it, it, it is stuff that is pretty interesting, but at the same time, not stuff that I'm well-versed <laughs> enough to read back to you. We try and have fun. We don't try and bore you guys either. Because I feel like I would, I mean, it'll feel like it'd be interesting to know for us as, uh, you know, fans who want to know about it. I just feel like I'd read it and not have a clue. <laughs> yeah. But speaking about fun in the game, Corey Perry is going to miss a, a couple weeks due to a foot fracture. So that's the only major injury to, uh, to really report about people missing time. It's just going to be a couple weeks. He should be fine for early season. Yeah. Um, he'll be the only one with, he'll be the only one to miss time for an injury. I know we just had our fan we just had our hockey fantasy draft the other night. I picked Braden Point who might miss time because of a contract negotiation. And Oliver Ekman Larson is apparently hurt, but it is supposed to be ready for the season, so it's it says on mine that Connor McDavid's hurt too, but he's because he had oh, surgery yeah, 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 in the yeah. offseason, he's still gonna he's still practicing fully and he's gonna probably play in a preseason game. So a lot of that for fantasy is just weird. Yeah. Speaking of Braden Point. I also have Miko Ranton in mind, so hopefully he signs so I can get those fantasy points. That's all we have for really news and notes. That was a lot of news and notes. I know usually it doesn't take us about 20 minutes to get through it, but a lot of people signed in this past week. So hopefully the rest of those guys signed by next week. We only have two weeks till the season starts, so it's, it'd be nice to see these guys in before the start of the regular season. Yeah, have we discussed everyone else, though? I mean, we know we talked Connor and Line A. Or, yeah, Kyle Connor, Patrick Line A are still out there. Matthew Kachuk for the Flames still has to sign. Miko Rantanen, as you said, for Colorado. Anthony De Anthony D'Angelo with the Rangers. The Rangers just signed Brendan Lemieux. So that that one should be handled with a very similar situation. Just short term, short money, get it later. And Braden Point, who, which I found out is was his last offer was only five point something million dollars. Oh yeah, he's he's not gonna take that. Yeah, I know you said he doesn't deserve all the money in the world, but he deserves more than that at least. Yeah, I had him up towards William, William Nylander standards with around the seven point something million. Yeah. Maybe even not. I mean, seven million seems fair to me. Yeah. Uh, those are the only important. Well, not five. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, no, they're really short in them. But they don't have room for him for long term, so it's going to have to be a bridge deal apparently, <laughs> which hurts. But And the only other two really don't matter. Julius Honka from the Dallas Stars and Saku 
Manalainen. Manalainen, thank you, for Carolina, who's 25, but... Yep, he's the oldest RFA in the remain of the eight remaining. Yep, but there's always the older RFA. He's just this year's edition. <laughs> so now we're going to get into the best NHL rivalries that we believe are... I don't know. This could be today's NHL rivalries. This could be throughout history. This could be... It all, it all depends on what we deem important and an NHL rivalry. So first we're going to give a couple honorable mentions and talk a little bit, not much about those, and then we're each going to give our top three. Now, neither of us know which the other one picked, so we might have a couple similar ones, and we'll, we'll do a top three, and then we'll argue about that, obviously, because we argue about everything. Hmm. But let's start with honorable mentions. What is one of your honorable honorable mentions or why? Uh, one of mine is a very fun one. I'm going to start with the Detroit Red Wings and the Colorado Avalanche. Mostly started from the mid 90s whenever it was all about the playoff fighting whenever uh claude lemieux uh may or may not have broken chris draper's face against the boards that's kind of what started it all and sb nation did a very good video documenting their quote beef history between the two teams that went on for a couple years some of the best not best we're to say best but some of the best fights that hockey fights that um, have taken ice, taken on ice. Chris Osgood and Patrick Waugh going at it a couple of times. It's, it's entertaining stuff to watch if you're a hockey fight fan. And it was weird seeing it was the it was the mid to late '90s, and it was old time hockey pretty much coming back for those two teams. Yeah, no, that's not one that I had, and it's one that I've heard about a little bit, but never really gotten into. Of course, now that the teams are in different conferences conferences it's really hard if those two teams ever met in a stanley cup final which doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon because you know red wings in the middle of a rebuild but if those two teams met in the middle of a con- of a championship i'm sure we'll get so much about that rival you would hear a lot more of a lot of it would be brought back into light if uh those two were in ever in a series that meant a lot again yeah so i i, I like that pick from you my first honorable mention is the penguins versus the capitals it's not going to be in my top three because it's more of a recent. It's too new. I had the same it's thing. It's a recent yeah. rivalry. It started with Crosby versus Ovechkin, so there's not really a layered history as far as eras go. Yeah. And it's they've accounted for three of the last four Stanley Cups and had to go through each other for each of their cups, also including Crosby's in 2009. So it is a, a mad rivalry because these two teams have been at the top for so long with two of the league's premier players. That's why I think it's a rivalry. It was. It's definitely a rivalry today. It's kind of had its. Um, humble beginnings if you will um in the 90s 80s and 90s more or less never the capitals still couldn't beat the penguins in the playoffs every penguin stanley cup champion has gone through the capitals all five of them so and there was another there was another big uh playoff series in the 90s that involved the pens and the caps so that's where it all did kind of have its start back in the day, but it didn't become as uh, ferocious as it is today until um, Ovechkin and Crosby were drafted and the whole and a whole new era started for those two. Another one I had is the Battle of Alberta. Again, you know, physical and geographical proximity means a lot in these rivalries. So Calgary Flames versus the Edmonton Oilers. Like I said, the Battle of Alberta, especially today, you got the Games Plus player, Connor McDavid, versus a team that just won the Pacific Division in the Flames and looks like they're going to get better and better. So this is a rivalry that a little bit older to Canadian teams, too, yeah. but it might start to rekindle here in the, in the more recent years. Yeah, and I can totally see that being a thing. It's 
Great seeing young guys be in a rivalry like this. I don't see McDavid as much of a fighter or anything, and I know that's kind of what, when you hear NHL uh, rivalries, you're thinking it's a lot, there's a lot of like fighting history, a lot of physical games, but it'd be nice to see a rivalry that's kind of centered around just being a better team, which is what I think these two can totally do going into the future. Yeah, I completely agree. My last honorable mention, by the way, is just Maple Leafs Bruins, obvious reasons. Both original six teams. Last two seasons, it's kind of rekindled a lot more because of the playoffs, but it's still one-sided. It's still the Boston Bruins beating up on the Maple Leafs. The Boston Bruins have a Stanley Cup championship in 2011. The Boston Bruins went to the Stanley Cup finals last year. And then for the Maple Leafs, I mean, I'm only 22, but I could have probably been born 22 years before that and still hasn't been a Stanley Cup championship for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's a good rivalry because the Bruins are the old guard and the uh, Maple Leafs are the guys that are coming to take it, and that's their chance now. My last um, honorable mention, though, is another one that's kind of recent but has always been around, the Rangers and the Devils. Oh, who was it? Gabarik? Whichever player just got traded from the Devils to the Rangers or the other way around was the first time those two teams have ever traded with each other. I don't think it was Gabarik. I'm being... It was Grabner, Michael Grabner. It was, yeah, it was Michael Grabner. That was the first, he was the first player to ever be traded between those two teams. Those two teams during the 80s and 90s did not like each other, and then it came back again with uh, Sean Avery and Martin Brodeur. That playoff series in 2005, Ooh. or not five or six, about seven, 2007 maybe. You can't forget Sean Avery standing in front of Brodeur with stick in the air, and those are moments that... The NHL will probably never forget, and that's why that's a rivalry that um, deserves to be, have an honorable mention. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And it's probably one of, again, the more underrated rivalries in the NHL. I think now seeing Kako and Hughes going to each of those teams, one yeah. and two, and these teams starting to get a little bit better, plus P.K. Subban saying he's excited to play in New York. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, that, yeah, it's going to rekindle. I think it's going to be a fun rivalry moving forward, especially with those two guys who are going to headline. I think they're going to headline their teams similar to the way that Crosby and Ovechkin did theirs. Maybe not to that level, but I think they're going to be two transcendent superstars in this league. Yeah. All right, so we're going to dip into the top three we have. Yes, I don't really have a particular order in mind, if that's perfectly okay. I mean, just... Throw them, we'll throw them in a random order. That's okay. what I did. I didn't have a particular order, but I'm just going to throw them in an order that I think seems okay. fair. And I can, you know, yeah, I can do that too. So my number three, asterisk number three, um, I have Mont- the Montreal Canadiens and the Boston Bruins. Long one. It's a long one. Yeah. Original six teams. You know, back in those days, you really didn't play too many other teams in the playoffs. So you saw these same guys a lot. Um, NHL once ranked that as the top rivalry ever, so that has a lot to do with it. And really, it's hard to it's hard to argue with Montreal against any other original six team as a as a pretty huge rivalry, and just the way it's it's lasted against Boston throughout the years that it makes that one a pretty solid uh, pick. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. That's again, original six teams are just basically you get them together enough times it's going to turn back into a rivalry because they played each other so many times. There's so many championships between those guys. 
and mainly Montreal. Yeah, it was a like twenty some of them with Montreal. Boston mainly was like five or so, I think. Yeah, but, but that doesn't matter. Mainly Montreal. So I completely agree with you. Their playoff series back when it was PK Subban on the Canadians, that series was fantastic. And I loved watching it because the fans were so into it. You think about the Bruins fan base. You think about the Canadians fan base. The Canadians fan base, their team has struggled the past couple years, and their fan base is still ridiculous. So you think about those two fan bases going at it, it's great. It's one of the, the best rivalries, like you said, in the league. Not one of my top three, though. Okay. So my number three, and and it's gonna be a real real hot take here. So you know, turn up the turn up the oven. It's Vegas Golden Knights there. versus the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, Is I can this see in your top three? three. No, I didn't have Vegas at all. Okay, <laughs> well that's fair because it's a very young team. It's yeah. Only the third year, but I think what this is gonna turn into what Evander Kane versus Ryan Reeves this year. Mm-hmm. It's already exciting. You're already ready for it. In the two years that Vegas has been in the league, circle the games against the Sharks because in the playoffs the first year in the it was the was it the first round or the second round? It was the second round because the first round Vegas swept the Kings. Right. It was a second round matchup where Vegas eliminated the Sharks, and then last year, obviously, a first round matchup where the Sharks eliminated the the Knights in a game seven with all that controversy. Boy, that game was wild. Yep. And then you you get characters like Ryan Reeves into it, Evander Kane into it. It's an exciting rivalry with a new team and it has two really good fan bases. And I think it's probably the third best rivalry in hockey. I can see it. It's definitely a new one that if Vegas was to have a rival, it's going to be San Jose at this point in time. Granny's still a new team, and they could grow a new one somewhere. They could grow one with Seattle if need be. But, um, yeah, that's I can totally agree with that one. That Especially the way that Game 7 went down, it, there's no reason why that shouldn't be one of the top rivalries in the league right now. You want to lead off the New Year number two? Yeah, my number two is going to be Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Philadelphia Flyers. Cool, we have the same one. Yep. That's your number two? Yeah. All right. The history of this rivalry is why it means so much. Maybe not in recent years because it's been sort of one-sided, mm-hmm. especially in the regular season play. Not as much in postseason play, which makes it a little bit better. But in regular season play, it's been really Penguins the past decade. Yeah. It's been very, it's been very calmly. It's been at a simmer recently. It's not been like the blazing rivalry that it was back in the Mario days or even before then. But the multiple times of playing them in the playoffs in the late 2000s to the early 2010s is really what showed the league that this is still a thing. Crosby saying, I just don't like them. Like, doesn't need a reason. Just don't like them. Really keeps the fire going for that it's really fun watching those two teams granted it has been quiet lately i'll mark that up to as the league changing it's a league changing where like i said before rivalries are starting to turn into actually being the better team not so much wanting to just beat their faces off so it's really fun it's still fun watching their games it's still some of the best hockey to watch it's still the probably one of the more marketable tv games ever ever that you usually watch in a season so that's why it's it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Plus, Philly, Pittsburgh, it's the way it is. Yep. Again, there's the geographic proximity, but there's also, you think about in the late 80s, early 90s, there are 42 straight games where the Penguins could not win that's, that spectrum. Yep. 42 games. Now, at the time, it hurts the rivalry for one team because they always look at the other team like little brother. Mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, you look back on it and you say, wow, there was that much dominance then. And now it's just switched around and it just made the Penguins want it that much more. So for Penguins fans, it means that much more, which gets them into it. And we always know Philly fans, they're always into it. Oh, yeah. They're always into it. They hate Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh hates Philly. Like you said, Crosby said, just don't like them. Yep. You know, if you're going to these games, there's going to be bad blood. There's going to be actual blood. And there's just going to be a lot of physicality. And there's going to be a lot of yelling at each other, fan bases and players alike. It's it is one of those games where that's still pretty physical too on the ice. I can remember now that during the stadium series, the last one, um, Wayne Simmons concussing Latang on the same play that Dumoulin got concussed. Like it's still got its it still has its bad blood and it always will. Dumoulin was hit by Simmons and then it was Shane Gostisbehere who jumped. That's Latang what it was, yeah, and cost him a couple months or a month of the season last year injured his neck yep. which was surgically repaired before yeah <laughs> so it, it's this this thing you look at the flyers when they beat the penguins and i believe it was 2013 no 2014 whenever they swept the pittsburgh Penguins. i think that was 12 2012 i think it, yeah it was something like that i know i know what you're t- that series yeah. was a lot of punches thrown and the flyers just getting in the penguins head and completely ruining them in the playoffs then you look at the series a couple years ago when the penguins just flew around the Flyers in the first round. The Flyers were trying to do the same thing. They were trying to play the same way that they did a couple years earlier to derail Crosby and the Penguins, but they couldn't because the Penguins were just that much better that year. So I think especially you look, like you said, the Stadium Series game last year and the way that some of the other games went against the Philadelphia Flyers, it's going to become the same thing because the Flyers are starting to beat the Penguins more, and that's not going over well with either fan base because the Penguins are getting mad. If they come back, the Flyers are going to be mad. And now... Carter Hart's inserted, and both teams have a bona fide starting goaltender. Yeah. Um, it'll be fun to watch in the future. My number one's a fun one, though. My best rivalry, biggest rivalry in the NHL is a very fun one. It's the Montreal Canadiens and the Quebec Nordiques. And the, okay, well, I was, I was not expecting that one. Because, again, you got your vicinity, you got your the area, but these, these two used to shut down cities, basically. <laughs> like, there have been a couple of i think the nordiques and the canadians hold the record for most penalties in a game fighting major stuff like that most penalty minutes it's it was a knuckle brawl every time those two teams played um throughout the the more or less throughout the nordiques time and being in the league it was the you know just the french canadians always against each other um i've seen some pretty pretty good videos of just lot of bench clearing brawls between the two and is a rivalry that doesn't get looked at as much because obviously the Nordiques are not around and it wasn't a super long one but it was one that still had its fire and if you bring a team back to Quebec which who knows what the league wants to do that's just going to restart again (laughs) yeah I mean it'd be amazing to see the Quebec Nordiques Uh, but I did look that up by the way the most penalty minutes in a game is the uh, let's see, 419 penalty minutes combined by the Boston Bruins and the Minnesota North Stars in 1981 is what came up. Hmm, that must have been another humdinger of a game, but I know they just... There was, I, it was something like that, but I, I thought that that was the one that came up. Something yeah. else came up, though, so... I mean, I know I wasn't going to have that stat completely right, but... yeah. It's still some that I've seen some pretty wild 
videos from the 80s. Like the one I'm just now finding is the the April 20th, 1984, the Good Friday game, which, I mean, it's got a 10-minute long or 13-minute long video on YouTube. That Jesus must be the entire thing. I can remember hearing like some, remember seeing videos talked about this rivalry. It's pretty intense and always has been. So, my last one. And it's, a, it's not as fun as the Quebec Nordiques versus <laughs> the Montreal Canadiens. It is the Montreal Canadiens. It would have to be. It is. would have to be. Yeah. Against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. You look at these two teams. They're not only the two biggest markets in Canada. They're the biggest markets in the league. Other than yeah. maybe, other than New York. Yeah. But when it comes to hockey... They're the two biggest mar- hockey markets because New York is split amongst football, amongst baseball, all of that. Toronto and Montreal are hockey. Oh, yeah. For Canada. Them, Detroit is hockey town. Those are hockey towns. Yeah, I always wondered why Detroit was called hockey town. Because they're probably the first ones to call themselves. That. That's true. And they had Gordie Howe, but I'll let that one go. Yeah, well, that's true. They had, yeah. <laughs> but they're the two godfather franchises of the NHL. The Canadians had so many Stanley Cups. The Montreal, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Montreal Canadiens. Growing up, that's what I was told. This is the rivalry. Mm-hmm. This is the two teams. Doesn't matter who's good, who's bad. These two teams go together, and it's going to be a knockdown, dragout brawl. Now, initially, I wanted to put the Red Wings and the Maple Leafs in here, just because in the back of my memory, I keep thinking about Michigan Stadium, oh, about yeah. the half red, half blue, which was amazing in the Winter Classic. Back in, what, 2010, 2011? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. But it's, it's Maple Leafs Canadians. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, and these especially are... especially if you look now, it's going to rekindle, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and these are also two teams that... The, the Canadians definitely do. The Maple Leafs are close to predating the NHL. Like, they've been at each other's necks since before the league was even a thing. So that's... That's an easy one. It's an easy choice, too, because it's a rivalry that has been around since 19... When did the... 17. That's in the Montreal Canadiens, because they celebrated their centennial season the same time as the NHL. So it's a rivalry that's been around for over 100 years, and it's hard to pass something like that up. Yeah, and that's that's why I picked it as my number one, plus the fact that you look into, into the future of this rivalry... The Maple Leafs have Matthews. They have Marner. They have Nylander. They have John Tavares. They have Morgan Riley, Frederick Anderson. They're going to compete for Stanley Cups for a couple of years now. Their window is wide open. Then not to mention they have Kapanen and Janssen locked up. Then you look at the Canadians, who are a very young team. They have Arturi Lekkanen and Jesperi Kokkaniemi coming into their second year. You have Brendan Gallagher, who's been there forever and still very effective. Jonathan Drouin, people forget about him. He's on that team. He's capable of putting up 70, 80 points in a season if he wants to. And then you have the game changer, Carey Price. Not to forget Max Domi, because I love Max Domi, but the game changer is Carey Price. Right. And I found the Wikipedia page for this rivalry. Their first meeting was December 26, 1917. My grandparents weren't even alive. Yeah, they've met a total of 814 times. And Montreal has the ser- has the series lead of 398 wins, 318 losses, 88 
than 10. I forget what the whole extra numbers are. I think one of them, one of them's tied, one of them's overtime yeah. losses. I'm guessing 10 is the overtime losses. 88 ties yep. way before there were overtime losses. So that really shows it. And postseason results also are handed into Montreal's favor of 42 and 29. Well, yeah, you kind of. Yeah. Kind of figured that one. The Montreal Canadiens obviously having way more Stanley Cups than anybody in the league. Yeah. And the longest win streak is also handed to Montreal with 14 straight wins against them. But that's just, you know, statistical stuff as to why these two have always been put together as some of the highest rivalries in the league. Yep. That is the premier rivalry of the NHL, especially. You know, going back those hundred and now hundred and one years in the NHL. Yeah. Who do you believe? We'll just do this real quick. Who do you think is the best robber in the NHL right now? Right now, um, I would have to go with your Vegas and San Jose since you brought it up. It is a really good one. It is the new one. It is the fresh one. And really, like those two teams haven't played since that game seven. So we don't know what's still to come from it all. Yep. Just because of that pure fact that you said right there i say penguins capitals okay also you look at the fact that three of the last four stanley cups go to these two teams and they have ovechkin and crosby that's why i think and every time they go together it's usually a nationally televised game always yeah and it is one of the things i i know crosby has said that he doesn't have much of an off-ice relationship with ovechkin it is kind of a rivalry that the media builds up which is going to happen. I think the media was trying to build up a whole McDavid and Eichel rivalry, but that just couldn't work. Because A, they don't play each other. B, the teams haven't been all that stellar since yeah. they've gotten there. I mean, so. the Oilers made the playoffs. Like Even that year, you could have tried something, but just the Sabres have not been able to do it. So, you can't build it up there, but you put, those, you put Crosby and Ovechkin on teams that are A, going to make the playoffs year after year. They have a team around them. They're two teams that are going to face each other a lot. So that is that's also a good reason why that one could be a top rivalry in today's NHL. Yep. So that's really going to do it for this week's episode. The other thing I wanted to mention, you went out and were a fantastic friend and got me a bottle of Pink Whitney's because it's been so long that we've been looking for them. So thank <laughs> you for that. And also when you posted it with the shirt on that you have on today, the Crosby greater than everybody. You guys saw you got a like by uh, Paul Bissonnette, Biz Nasty. So congratulations on that one. Thank you. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I Pennsylvania's liquor laws kind of sucks. Maybe that's why it took a while to get up. Yeah. But it was curious as to why it took Pittsburgh a while to get it, considering that's where they played. That's where Ryan Whitney <laughs> and Paul Bissonnette both got both started in the league. Paul Bissonnette played in Phoenix more or less, definitely more. But uh, was, they were both drafted by the Penguins, and let's be honest, the Penguins are the reason why Ryan Whitney got paid. Yep, the Whitney one-timer. <laughs> so uh, I'll probably end up cracking that bottle as soon as we're wrapped up here. So, it's good uh, stuff. Th- th- thank you for that, and uh, I don't think we have anything else. Do you have anything else? I got nothing else other than, man, I should stop watching the Steelers again so they can start winning. Yeah, and you know, I have faith in them, 11-5. and five. I, have also some, I have also that the Pirates just, they, they can't have anything nice, can they? Mm. Man, that's brutal. Nope, that's... that's so bad so bad but when this comes out there will be only two weeks left and then we get hockey back preseason hockey has started that's true preseason hockey has started jack hughes is doing give and goes with nikita gusev to get game winners jack eichel is you know putting game winners in so is tom wilson in overtime a lot of overtime games to start the preseason yeah penguins played at pagula ice arena the other night and 
well, whenever I say the Penguins, I mean the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins plus Jack Johnson essentially played against the almost the entire starting lineup of the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. After the first period, I believe the shots were 18 to 2. Oof. Big oof. So Case is dismissed, standing on his head, making a very strong point for staying as the backup. Yeah. In Pittsburgh. So congratulations, Jordan. Your guys playing well, but you know who knows. Um, that's all I got. Preseason hockey is here finally. Training camps are starting, and oh. people have to sign. Yeah, we got eight players left that need to sign. Come on, sign these guys. We want to see them play full 82 games if healthy, which obviously we we wish everybody good health. Yep. Uh, also, happy birthday as we're recording this. Happy birthday to the grade eight Alex Ovechkin. I know we mentioned him a couple times, so it is his birthday. Who? It's Austin Matthews' birthday. And Austin Matthews. Oh, and apparently it's Austin Matthews' birthday too. Just on a on a lesser note, he needs to win a cup for me to actually care. No, <laughs> uh, you can listen to us at Apple Podcasts and Spotify by searching the Fifth Line. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Again, Twitter at the Fifth Line One and Instagram at the Fifth Line Show. You can follow Nick at or sorry Horwat at Nick underscore or not underscore Nick underscore Horwat. I need to change that, but yeah, that's that's a lot of words to say, and mine is just Nick underscore Belansky. That'll do it for this week's episode of The Fifth Line. We'll be back next week, another week closer to the NHL season. See you guys.